Welcome to the Age of Stories, a podcast about stories from the people of the 21st century. We're broadcasting over Twitch every Sunday, 7 p.m. Central Time, and are open to chatting with fans during the show. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout. My co-host is Motorori, who helped me create a 40-person, four-table Gen Con event, and also our other podcast, Crossing Darkness. How's it going, Mike? Going pretty good, uh, Frozen. Uh, and uh, I think today we're going to be talking about our recent trip to Gen Con 2021. Uh, I had a pretty good time. Uh, how, how did you like it? Yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was it was different. Uh, so we had COVID this uh, this Gen Con, um, which is a big uh, change for you know one of the crazy things is is uh, I didn't get Gen Con crud this year like at all. Oh really? So I didn't get sick after Gen Con, which is traditionally that's what's gonna happen you're you're gonna you're gonna go to gen con you're gonna get a little sick you know just so many so many nerds all smashed together all playing games together close quarters talking to each other um yeah that that stuff has the uh potential to make a lot of people sick um just with normal everyday cold and the like um so yeah, one of the the big things that um, I felt was kind of interesting was because of all the mask wearing and the like, like you just didn't really get any kind of, um, you know, close quarter, you know, like it, it was it was a really well done Gen Con, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, so a few things. First, I just want to mention uh, your puppy is making a lot of noise. So if you're just listening to this on the podcast, uh Frozen Fallout's new puppy Harlequin is uh, playing with toys. Uh, she is uh, what four month old Great Dane, five month old, about five months old. I've met her; she's delightful. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so let's go back, and we've 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 talked about Gen Con before, and I actually went and looked up the attendance numbers. So when when Gen Con moved to indie, it was in the twenty thousand to thirty thousand range for a long time. And then it crept up to the 60,000 range about six or seven years ago. And then in 2019, that was the first year that they sold out. And they it was approximately 70,000 people. Yeah. Uh, and, and this year, uh, now I don't know where the number on Wikipedia came from, but it said 35,000. I'm betting it's less than that. Uh, this year was probably in the high 20s. So bigger than it was when it first went to Indy. But way, way smaller. So, uh, but yeah, so they they weren't requiring vaccinations, but the mask wearing was pretty universal. Um, if you were in the exhibit hall, which is, I think, where we probably spent most of our time just because we, we weren't super interested in playing games this year. Well, um, we, we played a lot. Everybody of, was. Played a lot we, of games too, but. Well, we, well, we'll get to the mega games later because uh, those are the only ones that I played. But uh um in the exhibit hall everybody was wearing a mask the entire time and pretty much everywhere else uh i think maybe i saw a few people take them off uh they they did have an exception for like eating in certain areas and it obviously wasn't 100% but yeah it was smoking area Out, um, outdoors you didn't really have to wear a yeah, mask outdoors, but people weren't really wearing them um and actually i i think i wrote something down about this um I think that probably next year they will probably still require masks, kind of depending on, you know, where the pandemic is, where the vaccination rates are. 
But I think mask wearing is going to be a pretty consistent thing going forward. I think it's probably going to hover around 50% in the future, but I think it's going to really help uh, get rid of, as you said, cud, uh, cron cud, con crud uh, going forward. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have your faith in, in that. Um, I, I don't believe that people, I, I think that as long as there's a pandemic probably, but, uh, I think even to the point, I think the most important thing is if you're sick, you should be wearing a mask, uh, yeah. you know, and that, that's never, that's not even, I don't even think that's going to happen, but that's, I have less faith, faith in, in humanity, I guess, than, than you do when it comes to, to, you know, what's going on here. But, uh, well, I, I guess what I'm saying is I just think that going forward, when people go to things like that. There's going to be a. In the past, if you wore a mask at one of these things, people looked at you weird, unless it was cosplay. Going forward, it's going to be more socially acceptable, I think, and it's going to cut down on a bit of the, you know, flu, colds, and such, which is good. I think, I think. there's, I think there's, yeah, some stigma that's been removed from it, which is good. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say fifty percent of the population, um, but I would say, you know, there's probably going to be about twenty percent, um, you know, that would. That yeah, are going to want to stick around more and then you'll have the 10 percent that are like everybody should be masked 24 7 it doesn't matter <laughs> like yeah i'm trying to think where that was there anything different because of anything other that different because of covid um masks everywhere i think was pretty much the only thing um i mean other than that like every, everything was shut down earlier everything nobody was on the oh. streets afterwards like i mean covid wise just destroyed uh like the the after party feel of gen con uh the exhibit or not only that but the convention for the first time shut down between what was it like midnight and 8 a.m or something like that it was midnight and seven seven um and i can't remember if I want to say we were talking to somebody that said, like, this is so much better. Like, because <laughs> uh, the cleaning crews can come through and, like, do all the shit that they need to do in the middle of the night, uh, like they normally do. And there's not a bunch of stinky ass gamers everywhere fucking with them. Uh, and it's just, it's overall better, I think. I think that's going to be a lasting change. What, that is going to be less people? Uh, no, that they're going to close the con uh, from midnight to like overnight. I don't. I also don't believe. I, I don't think you understand how much money is made normally between midnight and seven a.m. Um, mm. <laughs> like stuff. Well, you know stuff what? happens guess, all the time. You know, like, there's when, lots of events still going on at midnight for sure, especially tournaments when we, and stuff. When we do this podcast again in three years, uh, and we can reevaluate one, that. one one week one year, we'll be able to see what's what's going on in two years we'll be able to see what's going i mean like all depends on a lot yeah, of different no, we'll, factors but we'll 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 do a every year we'll be able to yeah every year what's going on um oh last thing about the the con crud um so uh, you're not coming with me but i am going to origins next actually this week uh and i have decided that i'm going to go get tested for covid beforehand because yep. I was literally at Gen Con just about two weeks ago. So um, it's going to suck if I test positive because I have a non-refundable hotel. It's <laughs> literally costing me more than all the money I spent on Gen Con just for the hotel for, for Origins. Oh, but, wow. Uh, but, but 
speaking of spending money, uh, let's talk about what we spent money on. Uh, maybe games first? Um, yeah, let's go ahead and, well, uh, yeah. Or the games we played, I meant. I, I, oh, uh, let's talk, let's talk about the games that we, so let's talk about what the games we played first. So the only things we really did was shop and, uh, eat and hang out a little bit with buddies, play some games. Um, but, uh, we did mainly just mega games, um, and two main mega games that we did, um, which has gotten us really excited about mega games. I think that you did a, a one, uh, one or two, or you did an SDMG or whatever. Uh, what is it called? Uh, an SDMG, which is National Security Decision Making Game. Uh, they have a big presence at Origins. And I want to say Dragon Con, but I, I have no idea. I know they are going to be at Origins. Uh, I, I haven't signed up for their games yet, but I, I, I probably will be. Um, they've actually been around for a really long time. Uh, but they're not technically what you would call a mega game, because they mm. don't have as much... Uh, so I actually, I went and looked up mega games on, on Wikipedia, and it's it's supposed to have more mechanical elements. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so it's a continuum, right? At one end is LARP. LARP is just people walking around in a room, talking to each other, making decisions and game masters uh, kind of saying like, okay, this is the outcome of this stuff. And on the very other um, end, I'd, I'd be, I'd argue there's a lot of mechanics in LARPing. Uh, like there's, whole the whole yeah, rock paper scissors yeah, there system. Can be. there's tons tons of different stuff um but but i think what you're saying is like the soft larping where it's just there's no real mechanics to the game and people are just really going and some larps that have hard mechanics can be played very much like a soft larp where it's we don't really use the mechanics here we just kind of let them you know be to the side a little bit maybe with a little bit of mechanics and stuff but uh, but yeah, so sorry, continue though. Uh, but yeah, so so on the continuum, it's really soft LARP on one end, and on the other end is just very large board games. Um, and somewhere in the middle is what has recently been uh, described as mega game. Uh, and actually, I did the research that I told you I was going to do. Mega games took a big hit because of the pandemic, because people couldn't get together. Uh, like all the different websites that I found of the, the different coalitions, like most of their most recent posts are from over a year ago. Uh, but that's beside the point. Uh, so the one that we played in, uh, which is actually uh, one of the fairly popular ones, you can actually just buy the system and run it at a con if you want to. It's called Den of Wolves. And it's based on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, so... First of all, we watched a bunch of Battlestar Galactica because we hung out in the hotel room a bunch. Yep. And it's apparently free on Peacock right now. Uh, oh, and I bought this jacket because it has the side flap, like the, the Battlestar Galactica uniforms. Yeah. And uh, I think this is the reason that he pointed at me and said, do you want to play the Admiral? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to play the Admiral. Of course I want to play the Admiral. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was... Uh, so what uh what's your big recollection from from Den of Wolves? 
Um, so my big recollection from Den of Wolves was that I really liked the idea that there was a phase where we all sat down together as our spaceship. So basically, we all started off, and you had to uh, you you got assigned a ship or um, you know a character or whatever position. And so you're either on like the Battlestar Galactica, which only had like five people, an EXO, the captain, the um, yeah. logistics officer, the communications officer, and I was the communications officer, and the um, uh, fleet commander. So the, yeah. the one that actually did oh. the fighting. Yeah. So one of the big things about mega games is that they they almost have to be scalable, right? So so the way this den of wolves was set up was there was a bunch of different ships kind of like in battlestar galactica where there's a civilian fleet and then there's the battlestar that has like battle capabilities and uh jumping capabilities and such um and so if you have fewer players you can get rid of some of those civilian ships or you don't have to have as many people on each ship so in our case i think we had all the civilian ships most of those ships had two or three players when you can go up to, I think five for each one. And then the, the Aegis, which is the battle star. Um, we only had four players and I think it scaled to six. Yeah. Uh, at least five, or five or six. I think it's, I think it was five because I think we were only missing the logistics officer. Um, only that one. Okay. But yeah, so one of the things I did, uh, I, I, didn't like was that I didn't quite know what to do as the communications officer. It was like, you're just supposed to communicate. Um, and it's like, uh, so that's the one thing that I, I was a little, I wish that they had a little bit more of objectives or, you know, kind of a little bit more, uh, even the pamphlet that they kind of handed out for it, which went over a lot of the important positions, like didn't talk about the communication officer. Um, and kind of leaving it in that quasi area just kind of confused me for, for a large portion of the game where you're just, I was just trying to find out what I should be doing. Um, but it, it all worked out really well, um, in the end. And I don't think it's, it's a huge negative just towards it. It just would have been nice at the be I feel like I would have been more confident in the beginning if I had an explanation of what the communications officer was supposed to do in writing. Um, Yeah. And I think, and we've talked about it already. We both had a lot of fun playing that game. It was six hours long, although there was a half hour uh, break in the middle. And by the end of the game, I was ready to go for another two hours. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to keep playing. Um, I think some of that was just because I was the Admiral. And you got reinstated, just reinstated um, at the end. Yeah. Although I was thinking to myself in retrospect, like the cool thing to do would have been to like be like uh hey guys you know i get a, i just got reinstated oh because they you know for the for the benefit of the people listening to this uh i was arrested right that was going to be one thing i was going to point out yeah for mismanaging the jump coordinates which actually uh, you kind of did and me and you didn't quite did. <laughs> we, we 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 didn't quite understand why the the paper or the, the the sheet that they kind of give you is like a laminated sheet with a bunch of different stuff on it where you're you have like different sectors of your ship that need to be repaired and stuff like that or you need to put re people in to work on it in order to build minerals or whatever um so 
the on that sheet is the you're supposed to write the jump coordinates that you're going to be going to and it seems like it's fairly public information but you need to make yeah, sure yeah i i had no idea that there was any kind of mechanic in the game or any kind of thing in the game where it's like uh okay so we have to go back and explain to the people listening that den of wolves is instead of cylons it's the wolves and of course they look like humans right. uh and they can infiltrate your fleet. Uh, and so we did a few jumps during the game. And every single time we jumped, we got attacked by the wolves. Uh, I, I will say, I think I did mostly an okay job, except for the fact that the guy who uh, became a wolf, because that's how it happens in the game. You, you basically get turned by the controllers. And they come and they say, you are now like a betrayer. You are a wolf fuck with the fleet which which and these guys the... were the ones that went to the shuttle that got like uh, like anybody who went to the shuttle not anybody there was two people who went to this shuttle that had a distress signal and that's the other thing yeah. next time shoot all of the fucking distress signals <laughs> yeah well except for the the civilian government was being a real bitch about that ship anyway but it yeah. so so in our particular game the guy who was uh our fleet commander so if you watch Battlestar I think it would be CAG uh, was became a wolf in like the second turn and he had not only I, I'm not sure if he had played the game before but he had helped control a pre he was a controller for a previous game of Den of Wolves so he like knew all the mechanics so he became a wolf and then just did a bunch of shit that I didn't understand but I will say it the, the whole experience was super fun. Everybody was super nice. Um, yeah, he was really it was really hard to know that he was a wolf because out of game he seemed to be extremely helpful and I think he was being oh, helpful he, out he of was. game. I think he was and being then helpful. In game he he was fucking with us and it was great. Yeah. And he did it he did a good job of not taking it too far as well. Um and then it was yeah. uh, the guy who was uh, the the XO, who was the the twenty year old kid who uh, we had never met before, who became temporary admiral, successfully jumped the fleet away, and caught the bad guy while I was in jail. <laughs> so, so, so like days later, I thought to myself, "Oh, the coolest thing for me to do would have been once they reinstated me to resign and give him the admiral tag and be like, let 'Let's play for another two hours with this guy's admiral,' because he <laughs> fucking kicks ass." Um. But anyway, yeah, uh, that was a pretty good game. Um, it's actually one of the things that I wrote down is, what do you think would be different if we played it again? Like, um, would you want to play on the flagship? Would you want to play on another ship? Uh, would you want to be a betrayer? Because uh, I want to play it again. Betrayer would be kind of interesting for sure. Um, I would like to be the Admiral one time. I would play that game until I became the Admiral at least once. Um being captain of one of the important ships or being a politician would be a lot of fun. Um, I, mm. I like the idea of like being the president or being one of the captain or one of the uh, politicians from one of the ships because each ship had their own politician and they had a president. And then they and and also if I was admiral, I feel like the first objective would be to blow up the uh, the ship that has all the counselors on it and and all the the. The politicians because like literally there's no nothing left of humanity at this point so let's just get rid of the politics and fucking 
Like, yeah, there was <laughs> it, people were constantly talking about a military coup, and I was like, I was trying to tell everybody, like, I don't want to do a military coup, and it was completely selfish on my part because I'm like, I don't want to control all this. <laughs> so it just makes my job harder. Like in the game, it makes my job harder. I would probably it, mechanically, I probably would have had to send like troops to all the ships and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not really designed for that because I mean, and truthfully, I wouldn't do that because you you don't want you they would knock out a bunch of players from being able to play the game. Like, yeah, and that's I I don't believe in trying to do that kind of stuff in these kind of games. It's about making sure everybody has fun while they're playing and not, um, you know, having to just sit around and do nothing while the game is going on around them. Um, I actually am not, yeah. I do not like that you were able to be completely deposed and put, like, the, I think the intent would have been, had nothing, had you not, had we not got you out of jail and got you over to the jail ship, yes, it's really weird. A lot of weird shit happened. Um, he, I, I feel like, the controllers would have allowed for you to just sit there in jail forever. And and that you could have... Then yeah. if that would happen first Probably. churn or second churn or whatever, just because the, the, the council wants it to be that way, that they would have allowed for you to just sit there and do nothing for the entire game. And, yeah, and that's strangely something enough, I don't like. Yeah, strangely enough, though, the way that it happened was... Uh, they they came up to me and they were like, okay, there is no mechanic for this in the game, but the president is telling your XO to arrest you. And like, it it kind of came down to like, okay, how do we all want to play this? And that's yes. the LARP element of a mega game. And then while I was sitting there, like other people in the fleet were finding out that I was in jail and they were coming to the ship to talk to me. And then at some point, somebody was like, I'm bored. I'm going to go talk to the deposed admiral. And then we were like joking around about a jailbreak. And so I got jailbroken because nobody was paying attention. <laughs> it was during a and lot of I chaos. Went, it was beautiful. And then I went to the prison ship where the warden of the prison ship proceeded to treat me like a prisoner <laughs> and not like uh, like he was pulling a coup or something. But it was it was actually all in good fun. Nobody like got butt hurt or anything so. like you were you were like an honored guest prisoner you know like yeah you, know, you you had like all the pamperings of like the the crew kind of level and not like a jail cell type stuff but you weren't getting off of the ship like yeah yeah and and the only reason i would have gotten angry about the situation was if it was one or or a group of players telling me that i'm playing the game wrong and that's not what happened right it no, was, it was well. It was, it was a well people acting in character, having fun. And I have to say that maybe I'm wrong that you wouldn't have that there wouldn't have been a situation where you could have just because naturally there is going to be some kind of RP from the players that are going to probably try and do something because a lot of this is open gaming. There there are mechanics for a lot of the game like how to produce ore, how much it costs to jump the ship how much it you know how much your fighters yeah. are getting destroyed during combat and stuff like that there are a bunch of mechanics and there's a bunch of no mechanics whatsoever um which is yeah, not I, there we played one other and we'll get to it but i just want to point out that it's yeah. very different than the other game that we played which is pretty much 99.9 percent .9 mechanical 
um with you know yeah there is some role play in there that you but you couldn't make up any laws you couldn't you couldn't do anything that didn't have a mechanical thing behind it and i did like that yeah. in den of wolves all right uh so to wrap it up about den of wolves um i will say that i definitely want to play it again and i really think that like the the best experience is going to be when i play in a full game and we've got like eight hours to play it and everybody knows the rules. Uh, I think that's going to be the best one. Yes, that would and be. I, epic. I, hope, I hope to have that experience in the next few years. Uh, and, and I hope the, they the run last, one last that thing. says real quick. I hope that they, they run one that says experience oh, required. Experienced only. That yeah. would be an interesting. You'll one. still get yeah. newbies, but. Yeah, couldn't couldn't do it this Gen Con. Definitely. No, no. just not enough people. Um, also, they should probably lower the price just a smidge. It was pretty expensive. You know, be- between forty and fifty dollars for one ticket. Although six six hours, I don't know. I think I got my my uh, my money's worth on that one. Um, oh, so so last last thing, Den of Wolves is definitely right in the middle of the continuum. It has the label mega game. It has the right amount of mechanics and the right amount of LARP. And the number of players, it like all all those three. It is a mega game. Yes, absolutely. But the other mega game we played, I a, don't think it's a mega game. You don't think it's a mega, because it's too too roll heavy. Uh, Although roll heavy, they they did call it a mega board game. They did say a mega so, board game. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, do you want to introduce Blood Feud? Yeah, so Blood Feud is Vampire the Masquerade mega board game, which is a little bit different than a mega game. Um, seems to be much more like a, what, we had 31 people? I think 31 yeah. people for a board game. You got kind of broken up into three different sectors of the of of the game, basically. And this is one thing that I, I didn't like, and I think Mike agrees, is that when... Vampire the Masquerade got, uh, or, um, I'm sorry, it was Vampire the Masquerade. Blood Feud? Blood Feud, I apologize. Yeah, that's um, the name of the game. So, Blood Feud is really weird in the sense that, like, we didn't really have a time. You're on a team of four people. Um, and... Yeah, so let's try to explain what the game is first. So, yeah. start with the yeah, team. Sorry. We're on a team of four people. Um, so yeah, we have a team of four people and you're either a human or a vampire group. Um, there's multiple, uh, vampire groups and there's multiple, um, human groups. The vampire groups are pretty straightforward. Toridor, Ventru, uh, Malkavian, Nosferatu. So the different vampires you can be in Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and then you have, um, the humans, which is like the, there's the, like a religious one. There's the, um, the city hall, which is what we were. Um, there's like a vampire hunting group that like hates vampires. Um, and then there was, uh, what was the third? I think it was only, th- I think it there was, was just three, the three, right? No, there was three humans or yeah. no, there was you, four, you four no, it was four on each. We had four humans and four vampires for sure. I don't even know who the fourth human faction was then, because uh, it was it was City Hall, which is like some sort of government conglomeration. Yeah. Uh, the the militant hunters and the religious hunters. 
Right. And then there was, but there was the other group that I was, oh, the bio research people. Yeah. Oh, there, man. Yeah. There was that's, like a progenitor. That's like, an indication. Group. Okay. That's, that, that's an indication of how much crossover there was in the game that I didn't know that. Because, <laughs> because this, this game is, uh, the max number of players is 32. So we had full teams like this was, yeah. there was only one group of three. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so we're all split up into teams of four, uh, because it's 32. That's eight teams of four. Yep. Uh, and so, so when we started, uh, so it was you and me. And, uh, when we, we were waiting outside the room, cause apparently they were, setting up or something i can't yeah, remember it took a little while for him to set up um and we actually ran into uh two people that we played den of wolf was with the previous day yep and so we were like hey we we were cool it, one of one of them was uh one that helped with the jailbreak yeah <laughs> uh, so we were like hey why don't we why don't we form a team because we know we're not huge assholes or something like that right, we've, we've worked together uh, so we yeah so we sat at a table and the guy, you know, starts to explain the game and he's like, okay, there's three sectors of the game. And he's like, over there is the diplomacy table where you will, you know, figure out the, the rules. And you, you guys were literally like changing the rules of the game, essentially. Uh, a little bit. There was, it, we were modifying things that were already existing into the game and then also preventing certain act we we could mess with certain actions and we could give out a bunch of resources based upon what what was already inside of the game um and so it was some and and add levels onto people or stuff like there was some weird stuff that we could do but it was very confusing i we had no idea what we were influencing because none of us had really played the game before so one of the biggest problems we had at yeah. the diplo table is that when we were voting on stuff, we didn't literally had no idea how it was affecting the other two sectors because you had. So before we get deep into the voting stuff, so let's go through each one. So you have the, the voting sector yeah, yeah. that kind of votes on stuff. Um, and then you did the market aspect, right? Yeah. So the marketplace and this is, I mean, even having played it, I don't know how to explain this very well, um, but essentially it's okay so there's i think six stacks of cards and and the the cost of each card is you know progressive so the first stack is one resource per card and then the the sixth stack costs six per card and the main mechanic that they were trying to push was something called burying cards which is uh, if, you're, if you're doing badly in the game, you can go and basically choose any card from the top, like four or five cards. So it gives you a lot more options. And the more powerful you are in the game, uh, that, that number goes down. But then you can spend a resource to like bury another one. So like if, if you can only bury one, you can spend another resource. So like if you need that third card down. So first of all, Here's the problem. There was nobody, absolutely nobody policing this. And the controller told us this. He's like, this is all on the honor system. And I'm pretty sure everybody was honorable. Nobody's trying to cheat this game. The problem was 
nobody knew all the rules. Right. We were on like turn four and we were discussing like, uh, you know, I'm not sure like if I can even buy this card because it says this on this thing over here. And I told the guy like, I'm, I'm kind of pretty sure that these people are misinterpreting this rule. Like it doesn't actually restrict that. And he looked at it and he's like, oh yeah, you're right. But the thing is nobody had violated or prevented themselves from doing something anyway. So that's one confusion. Uh, oh, I was supposed to only go over the basics of it and then oh, yeah. we we're going to get the, uh, the third one. Okay. So essentially people were supposed to give me resources and I was supposed to buy these cards and then hand them out to other players. So you were enhancing uh, the rest of the group basically. Yes. And, and then there were a bunch of mechanics on top of that. To be honest, I had no uh, clue what you were doing the entire time other than handling out level ups that like I kind of knew about. And I was like, uh, that was about the only thing that I knew. <laughs> yeah. The only other one was um, there were something called order cards and I didn't even understand what those were by the end of the game. Uh, but it was essentially like attack plus two. And that's what they were doing on the third area. Right. And so the third get. area is two people. And I'm not sure why it is two people. I don't know why it's two people. Uh, um, I We never got to see that. Because one of the, the girls, game. one of the girls was literally just standing in the background the whole time. She was doing nothing, basically. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I, I would love to see what that is. But that seemed to be more of the board gamey. Yeah part of it so you had yeah. like politics so, you had like resource distribution basically logistics yeah. kind of and then like the straight yeah, so, up combat no i have no idea what the combat entails in any way shape okay or so let me well so let's let's go from the board game backwards and and explain more in more detail so because i saw the board game i'll probably just do most of this so it was a hex map i think there were a total of 12 hexes it was supposed to represent the city in which we live uh our characters were actual like characters on the board, uh, which is why our levels mattered. Right, because we all we all start at level one. Because when you're when your dude is slain, it goes down by a level, and the controller is supposed to come and take the card out of your badge. Um, but if you're level one and you're slain, you just stay at level one. Uh, and this is important because level cards give you powers. Yep. Uh, anyway, so. Uh, you you start all your guys, and then there's certain things that you can do. The order cards, like you basically have a little deck, and people frantically like move things around and put cards down in different uh, slots corresponding to each hex. And then once all that's done, it takes like it's like five to ten minutes for just one of the controllers to literally go through all of these order decks and resolve the board. I have uh, no idea what was going on in that. And I'm pretty sure the uh, the people that were on our team also had no idea what was actually happening on the board. It was complex. It was... Uh, everything was really bunched up. Uh, I, th I think while we were playing, I said, this is like trying to play Firefly, the board game, with 32 people the first time you ever play it. Yeah. Uh, Firefly board game has a lot of moving parts and it's really confusing. Uh, but at least, so the thing is, but imagine if you you were having you were playing with a bunch of people, but you had to be locked in a box by yourself and you couldn't really talk to the other. I mean, you could, 
But if, oh. but it's like, it would require you like to walk down the hallway, go take a left, ask the question, then go back to your room to, to like go do this. Cause like even in Firefly, at least you're all sitting around a table doing all the yeah. same mechanics. You get to see what everybody is doing and you understand how the game to a certain degree as you're playing it starts showing you what your cards do and why it influences the game. Whereas like, there was nothing that was going to do anything in game, just playing the game that was going to tell me what I should be doing in the game. Like <clears throat> there, yeah. it required <laughs> you coming up to me and telling me, I need you to pass this law. Like what laws do you have? All right. We should be, we, we needed a sit down spot. And I feel like that is the yeah. main crutch of this whole thing is that that game would be, like I, we, I think we explained each part about as well as we actually understood it, to be honest, um, because we independent being so independent from each other and not having a phase where we sat down together and coordinated what we wanted to do instead of like <clears throat> the intent, I believe, is to have a little bit of that chaos and to say that you're supposed to do that, but you have to do it on your own and you have to do it in a yeah. chaos of playing the game and needing to be quick on your feet to a certain degree. Um, because, yeah. you know, if you, the biggest, they were like, there is no time limit. However, once they finish their combat over here, everything else is done. Like, so, and without knowing how fast that combat is going, them guys always being engaged in the combat, I felt like if we'd go over there and talk to them, then we're interrupting the combat to a certain degree. Um, yeah. and so I never went over there and nobody ever came to me and was like, what laws do you have? These are the laws that we need to pass. And that's kind of what the I, game needs. I wouldn't even know to ask the question, what laws do you have? That's, and we <laughs> played that game for three hours. Um, so in retrospect, I think the, the first thing that I'm going to say is given the structure that we had, the way that we could have played it differently, um, I think you have one person in each place and then you one person is just like the team leader going around trying to learn the whole game and trying to coordinate. I think that would have been Yeah, better. I feel like that that fifth or that fourth person instead of being at the combat table unless there's yeah. something that's really special about but they they were like, "Oh, you're only at three people, that's fine. You're not hurt in any way shape or form." Which I feel like means that the fourth person doesn't matter. Like, uh, you know, it that that yeah. I felt to be a weird statement by them is that you don't need four people. You're not really hurt in any way, which means, oh, if you're not hurt in any way, then is that person? And like you said, you saw the person sitting, standing away from you know the the combat. Maybe maybe they were doing something we don't know though. I but, think most of that was just because the table that they had it on was small. And the board game was small and everybody was crowded in there. Like you had to yeah. elbow people out of the way and just be an asshole to get to the game board. Yeah. Um, I and mean, I glanced at that a few times. I saw that mm -hmm. I, I was like, oh, are there four yellow people on the board? Is that us? And they were like, yeah, that's us. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm on the board. Cool. Yeah. I guess. Um, um, oh, I was going to say, so I, you know, it's, Looking up mega game stuff, there is a Wikipedia entry for mega game, and under the structure check section, it specifically says uh, one of the common phases used in mega games is team time. 
where the team must stay together at their table to discuss their approach to later phases and update each other with their progress during the turn. And that was our main thing that we came up with based on our playing of uh, Den of Wolves. This game would be already 100% better if we just had a structured team time where we all sat at the same, same table and talked about what happened. Right. And they just didn't do it. So... Yeah, I think that that would have that would have been a huge improvement on the game. Um, just that little bit right there, um, and but in general, I th- I feel like I kind of want to play it again because now I know sup- uh, enough that I could go around and ask people like no matter what position I am in, I know that I could be like okay. I I need I need information in this game. And they did stress that like you need to be talking to each other about what's going on. Yeah. And they did try yeah. and stress that it just is re- it was really hard to totally understand what that meant until halfway through the game and then you're kind of still like if you didn't figure it out as fast as the other groups did, it it kind of demoralized you to a certain degree where you're like, I now I kind of understand what to do, but it's too fucking late. Like I don't yeah. know what's I going could on s- enough. I could see in the future, like if we learn the game and understand it, signing up for one. And if as long as everybody else is experienced and we're not just like taking advantage of people's uh, you know, lack of experience, having a fun time in the setting of a mega board game that is specifically about winning with points at the end. Right, because that was the other weird thing about this yeah. is that they're like the other mega games kind of have and and we and we're gonna talk a little bit about this, I think, too, is that we have some ideas for some mega games. Um, but really in the end you don't really win, per se. It just, you know, the game kind of fizzles out a lot of the times. Um, which is what happened with Den of Wolves, at least, is that there wasn't, there wasn't like, oh, you guys beat the wolves, or you guys got to Earth, or you guys got to whatever, you know, safe location from the wolves. Like, it just, it would just be, okay, we're done. Um, I, I like the idea of maybe having a mega game that has, like, an overall, like, NPC that you need to beat, or that, you know, just make that last jump to Earth or something like that, and kind of gives you, like, a little bit of a conclusion type thing. Um... I would like a little bit of a conclusion, but yeah, I don't like in the mega game that this one was totally like, okay, you have to tally up your points and this, this person, this group is the winner. Um, and I, yeah, I feel it like, the, feel good. I don't, unless it's a tournament setting. And that's the one thing I could see this being like a tournament game, but then again, with the honor system and stuff like that, you can't make it a tournament game either. Like, so there's there's a, a few flaws that I feel like that there is in this game that it wants to be a tournament-esque winner game, like a board game. Board games have winners. Um, and it's not enough into the realm of we don't really care who wins. It's all about the journey to get there and just ha- to get to the end of this game and have fun. Um, so that's that's my only takeaway is I feel like either a the game needs to go to a little bit more of a who gives a fuck about points in the end and it just is about every turn you know instead of it being like because there's exactly ten turns or something like that in that game and you got to get yes. through them all and there's ways of making the game longer or shorter with votes and stuff like that as well 
um and there's some weirdness in that so it but i feel like the game either needs to go to okay then the moderators need to be like there needs to be a lot of moderators there need like a lot of they what they call gms or control so that so that they can ensure that all the rules are being followed to the t um for a tournament style setup or they need to just get rid of victory conditions and have it just be more about and and an end of the game and just have it be this is a five-hour game that you play together yeah i mean good for them for putting it on it it is a publicly available board game that you can buy yep it's like two hundred dollars i think it's two hundred dollars and i think he said it's actually really fun if you play with 12 people yeah, and I can uh, see that with four four groups, two humans, two vampires. Yeah, uh, I'm probably not going to play it again for at least a few years. Yeah, <laughs> um, and if I do play it again, I'm going to do some research to to figure out like best strategies and stuff like that. Because uh, if I'm going to play it again, I'm going to play to win. Yeah, because that's that's kind yeah. of the thing is it has that yeah. win condition. And in the meantime, I'm going to play. Uh, Den of Wolves style mega games and design mega games to run at conventions because it sounds pretty freaking fun. Yeah, no, and that's uh, um, I don't think we're going to go too deep into it uh, because we're going to be working on this a lot, but we do have uh, some ideas in the works right now of doing a Den of Wolves style Babylon 5 game um, where, you know, it's a bunch of different empires that need to work together to overthrow like this big bad empire that's been running you know like a rebellion kind of scenario or um or even two empires fighting with each other um but we have like some ideas to make it very much like the the den of wolves type game um but we'll we'll talk more about that as we flesh out that idea um let's go ahead and move over to talking about the different things that we got at uh at gen con what new stuff yes. did you pick up we love buying things um uh, so I'm going to start off here um, and just talk about a couple of things that I got. Um, so I'll throw it. Adult show and tell. <laughs> uh, so the the gamers is a really cool group. We got to hang out with them a little bit. Uh, a couple of them we got to hang out with them at the um, at the bar um, of the hotel that we were at. We talked to them. Should for we a just talk about? Should we just talk about Gamers Live real quick? Yeah, let's go ahead or and leave do that. that. Or leave that for the end. Oh, we did we did that. That was our other big event. Let's talk about that okay. since we're on this. But real quick, there's the Gamer, and I, I'm never going to unpackage these. The Gamer Hands of Fate <laughs> and the Gamer's Dorkness Rising. I've got the, the Blu-ray DVDs that this, these will be forever. These will be worth like a million dollars in like a hundred years. Will, um, they will be worth... You will be buried with those. Um, so those, um, those are a group of people who, who make movies at Gen Con and a lot of other uh, cool movies. Uh, but one of the w- really well-known ones was the... Uh, well, not really well-known, but one of the qu- quite well-known ones is uh, Hands of Fate, the gamers. That's uh, Gen Con. Um, Gen Con style. Like, it's about card... Yeah, it was... Go ahead. It was filmed at Gen Con, I want to say in 2012 or 2013. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a genuinely good movie. Um, yeah, it's about a, yeah. a guy who's basically trying to get a girl 
Um, his D and D group doesn't play D and D anymore. Um, or they, you know, they always get have they like they try in, to. They try to. It keeps failing, and and so he gets into this card game. Um, that's very much like Magic: The Gathering and Elf. Actually, it's very much similar to L five R. I would say it seemed to be. Yeah, I believe that's they got what it's based on includes. in the story. Um, that you you play a game, you play in these big tournaments, and you have outcomes on the story, and it can like change the elements of it. But it also has this underlying story in it that's like these are just prophets that are reading the timeline and the history of what happened already, and that they're not they're when they're playing the game, it's actually just what actually happened in the history of this world or whatever is is being told through these cards it's not that what they're doing it's it's a weird story that they have they have this crazy weird story going on in the background where you get to see all of these characters interacting with each other as they flop yeah. out the card well, it, you know yeah it it represents the idea that uh the the main character Cass is becoming wrapped up in the story of the game while he's trying to do something else, which is get a date with this gamer girl. Uh, and and that's, you know, the conclusion of the movie is like, you know, I came into this thinking I was just going to get a date with you by winning this tournament for you. Uh, but then I got wrapped up in the game and I really enjoyed this game. And not just because it's a game that's fun to play, but it's because of the story and how, and especially how the players have helped to, uh, to mold that story. Right. And it's a kind of uh, which, about which just is a thing. It's about like the mechanical people. Like the, the bad guys are the mechanics, you know, like they're they're the mechanical yeah. people that like use the mechanics in order to destroy the story and and they just want it to be a cash grab uh you know for them. Like they want they want big money to come into the game um and don't care about any of the story they just want to find ways to ruin the game basically um for anybody that wants to do story stuff but yeah i just i i think that it's a great 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 movie you should watch it every gen con um but yeah so we went and we also saw yeah. them the gamers live um they had a, an event that they were throwing at gen con as well uh should we save that for the end and just go through all our books real quick um yeah, sure. Let's go ahead and we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll go through okay. some of the different stuff that we got here. Um, so go ahead. I show you right. something. You go next. All right. So going off of uh, the gamers, uh, one of the main writers of the gamers and also of some other stuff that I'll mention later uh, is Matt Vansel. I bought the the last copy they had on hand. Fartherall. Uh, Fartherall. I don't know. It's basically just a. Uh, a D and D style campaign uh, book. It's it's a it's a full game in here. It's got a lot of good art, a lot of black and white. But it's the the entire his entire uh, fantasy world that I think Journey Quest is set in. You know that. Yep. Um, but he's got a whole mythos. So, and I like fancy looking books, and that's a fancy looking book. Uh, but yeah, that's from. Uh, zombie orpheus entertainment which is their his company right yeah so the company is zombie orpheus gaming um entertainment or entertainment sorry zombie uh, orpheus entertainment. zoe zoe for short zoe uh but yeah so that's that's one what do you got 
Um, all right, so I also bought, uh, I don't have the full game here that's downstairs, but uh, Rivals, um, Vampire Rivals, which is like a, um, it's a card game, um, a deck building game for Vampire the Masquerade. Um, so it's kind of similar to, um, it's a little, little bit similar to the, um, uh, Marvel Championship games or whatever. The, um, trying to remember the names of them. Leg- uh, Marvel verse- versus versus and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's similar to that kind of stuff. Only you can build your deck a little bit more. Um, you're you don't come in with these are just a bunch of cards and this is the deck for everybody. It's you come in with your own deck and you have to kind of build it. But it's out of like a bunch of pre-made cards, so it's not like Magic where or pre-made decks basically it's not magic where you can get individual cards that will like soup up your your deck um but it's like if everybody got starter decks and then you could mix up starter decks but you can't really go out and get it like a you can get like a little bit of expansions but then you have to allow that blah 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 but anyways it was a nice little deck building game i played it with uh with chuck and he um was was trying to be trying trying to do the tournament for it or he did the tournament for it um he had he did not have very good luck um but uh but yeah so i i would say check out uh it was a lot of fun to play vampire rivals uh vampire the masquerade rivals um kind of a fun little uh little game here, uh that you can kind of play two player yeah. four player i'm not super into i'm not super into card games in fact i'm not into card games at all i don't <laughs> like them um but yeah that was the one that chuck was playing and uh but he built three decks in one night. Yeah. Because uh, he was going to play in the tournament the next day. Yeah, he's trying to learn it all. Yeah. I played with All him. right. So, good. so so we both got this. I got the one with art on it. Oh, yeah. I got Star, uh, Stargate SG1. The, uh, this apparently came out just recently. Uh, yeah, I got a, the, the gold and black yeah, you, book. Um, you got the special edition. I like my gaming books to have art on them. Also, this was thirty dollars cheaper. Yes, uh, um, that is true. Uh, but it's from Wyvern Gaming. Uh, the The lady that I bought it from said that it was um, kickstarted, and at that, the Kickstarter ended last October. And but these were the first publicly available copies. Yeah, this uh, is a Dungeons and Dragons uh, fifth edition style uh, D twenty game that they designed with, uh, and it looks like a lot of fun. I definitely, I think we're gonna have to run a game or two, um, you know. Oh yeah. Maybe not like a long extended campaign, but just like a couple of a uh, couple of games that'll be kind of fun. I never looked at the character sheet, and I'm not seeing it in the back. It's the normal place. <gasps> they didn't put the character sheet in the proper spot. That's that. Um, yeah, along with this, um, it's I don't. Um, it's not from the same creator or anything, but it's a uh, another book that I have. I haven't even unpackaged yet. Mythic D six D six, um, a multi genre role playing game. I I don't know uh, much about this. That was. But that was this... the one you got for free with the uh, the the Jenga style game. Yes, which I'll be talking, which is Rest in Pieces. Uh, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But yeah, this is another role playing book that that I got though. And to be honest, I haven't I haven't opened it up yet. Kind of feeling like I should leave it in plastic too, because maybe it'll be worth a million dollars. 
someday. It will but, not. Uh, but uh, I'm probably not going to play another system, to be honest. It doesn't matter. I have a thousand gaming books to read, and yeah. I'm not going to do it. So Yeah. Um, um, all right, so next up for you. What? Or no, uh, uh, I suppose well, I'm just going to tack that on. Or do you want to talk more about Stargate? Uh, well, I've, I, yeah, no, Stargate's done. Uh, I only have one left, but uh, I'll just put it up at The Expanse. This oh, one also yeah. just came out. Um, and The Expanse is based on a campaign, right? Yeah, so I, I'm not entirely sure. I should just look it up and find out. But uh, in, in the beginning of this, there's like a foreword where it's like, this is based on a campaign. Uh, that became a book and is now uh, a role-playing game. Um, a TV show and then a role-playing game. Oh, yeah, TV show first. Um, but, yeah, and then if you think about it, you know, reading through the books or watching the TV show, man, it is definitely it is definitely a role-playing uh, <laughs> game. Yeah, it seems Although the last, the last season of the TV show, they all get separated, so I don't know if they did that in the game or what, but... Uh, yeah, just, anyway. that seems kind of weird. Um, um, the, the next. By game... the way, I was not, okay. I was not waiting for any of this stuff. I just saw it at Gen Con and I bought it. That's the fun part of Gen Con. Yeah, um, that's the one thing I I'm... like about like people are like, oh, you just get this all online, and it's like, yes, but I don't, I'm not physically walking around checking things out to see whether or not I want to get it online or not. Yeah. I mean, um, there there are a lot of people that go to Gen Con like knowing that a game company is about to come out with something and they're mm -hmm. waiting for the thing. Yeah, nope, for the I release. just walk around and if I see something shiny, I will buy it. Yeah. Uh, so I actually bought all of the stuff from The Expanse. So I got the ships of The Expanse. I got the, uh, the Game Master's kit. So nice. it's got the, the, the thing. Uh, and then Abzu's Bounty. I haven't even cracked this yet, so I have no idea what this is about. I'm, I'm guessing it's just like, oh, yeah, here's a bunch of missions missions you can go on uh, and then i bought all the dice sets because i just in that moment i decided i'm going to be an expanse rpg <laughs> super fan just give it give it all to me i don't care we're gonna have to play a game or two of that as well oh gosh yes i but now i have how many sci-fi role-playing games i've got yeah. stargate expanse uh i've got a copy of babylon 5 somewhere Oh um, yeah, Firefly. I actually ran Firefly for a while. Firefly um, was a lot of fun. I played in. I've never games played Star Wars or Star Trek, so I played Star Wars. I haven't played. I want. I was looking at getting Star Trek at Gen Con, but I didn't end up getting that. Yeah. Um, and then we were just talking about Battlestar. That's another yep. sci-fi RPG. Yep. I don't even know if there is one. Yep. There's got to be. Um, so the next one that I have real quick will be Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. I just grabbed that um, because I've never played it before. I never owned the book. I've, I'm a big 20th anniversary guy. And uh, so at this point in time, um, I'm, I'm not sure when I will play that. Oh, that, uh, also about the gamers, uh, the um, Orpheus... Uh, um, zombie Orpheus Zomb Entertainment. Zombie Orpheus Entertainment. Um, I did get the, the Fatal Frontier... Um, which seems kind of cool, like a space book that I want to read about that. Yeah, which is also by Matt Vansel, uh, the guy who wrote the the source book that I showed you earlier. Uh, he wrote pretty much all the gamers movies. Uh, he's he's written a bunch of shit. Yeah, he's a good writer. And then uh, just to let you know, this is the Gen Con pamphlet that we got this year. It is like 
very, very tiny, which we're saving a lot of trees because they've moved a lot of their information online. So that's good and bad because I can't find my my events that I want to go to in this book anymore. Um, yes, they didn't do an event book nearly this year. completely useless book, basically. Um, so, and then uh, the there... game that I got, what's that? Uh, their online portal for looking for events was decent. It was decent this year. It was pretty good. I mean, it, it, you don't need paper much anymore, to yeah. be honest. A little hard to use on a phone, but luckily I have my tiny laptop with me. And then I got all the expansions and like everything I can for this Rest in Pieces game, which is like a Jenga-style card game. It's got like cards and uh, a Jenga thing, and then when you when you do stuff, it influences like who or what you have to do with the Jenga tower. Um, so I haven't played it yet. Uh, I got it for my wife. I hopefully mean her to play this together and we'll have a lot of fun. I like the idea of adding Jenga into stuff. Um, it's something that uh, Rick Hines uh, kind of introduced to me um, through the idea of like, the uh, what, what type of game was that? It's, it's um, called Dread. Yeah, Dread. It's an actual system. Yep. It's a... It's a game system that instead of dice uses a Jenga tower. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of cool. Um, the last but not least, last little things that I'm going to show off here is that I did get kind of uh, decorative. I got a bunch of other stuff that I kind of oh. put up as well. But I've got the, um, uh, the Master Shield um, as well as the Master Sword. So I am very, nice. very excited about having these these things, um, and uh, I'm starting to collect. I've got a sword for the um, the from Final Fantasy. That's the uh, I've got the uh, cloud sword from Final Fantasy. So I'm gonna start collecting a bunch of swords. I, I like I like swords. So I like swords. Yeah, I... You like swords. I like swords. When I went to Gen Con in high school, I think I was 17 or 18 years old, and I bought the Highlander TV show Katana replica. Oh, whatever happened to that? And it was that? sharp. Uh, it, well, the handle <laughs> broke. Because you used it so in, much? Uh, it probably broke when I was like in my late 20s. There was a lot of drinking. I think I cut my finger on it. Um. <laughs> At some point, it went in a dumpster. It was a, it was a piece of trash. So I don't buy swords anymore, but I'm glad I did buy that one when I did. I think it's a rite of passage for everybody that goes to Gen Con. You buy a sword. Well, no, that's not true. Not a lot of people buy swords. It's a weird thing to do. <laughs> I love swords. Um, so let's yeah, let's do the cool. last part, which was the gamers live. Um, yeah. So. You, uh, we had run into the, uh, um... Yeah, so, so we had watched The Gamers, The Hands of Fate, Wednesday night. Yeah, Wednesday night. And then the next day we were, or was it, yes, it was Thursday. It was the first day of the convention, and we were outside, uh, and we ran into one of the actors, and I pointed him out. I was like, hey, that's, that's the guy who fights Chibi-Chan, because I can't remember his name from the movie. And you started talking to him, and he was like, are you coming to the show tonight? And we were like, well, we haven't gotten tickets. And he's like, you should come to the show. And we were like, okay. 
so we went to the show and it was gamers live but yeah it was a it was uh, a fun uh they do improv uh acting basically with uh uh, with audience participation to a certain degree, they have your big right, roll this big D20 to see if actions uh, that people are trying to take or things that are going on um, actually happen or not. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I definitely would go to it again. Um, and, and, yeah. So the, uh, the format of it is it's one of the, one of the actors is the GM and the other actors are the players. And, so it's it's basic improv where they're they're actually playing a game, but then the main mechanic of the live show is that he has a bell, and when he rings the bell, it switches from you're sitting at the table describing what your characters do to actually being the characters. Uh, so, so all the all the player actors jump up and like either take poses or you know do do some sort of thing, and then there was actually there was another uh, actor who was like any kind of NPC they needed. Uh, and then, uh, and then audience members could, uh, I think the example I, I told somebody was the GM could be like five goblins show up and five audience members would like be those five goblins in the past. I think it was a little more, uh, interesting because the people could go up on stage, but because of COVID, they kind of they separated it. So, so in this particular case, the audience member participation was in front of the stage and kind of you know separate. Um, although the the copious number of tumbleweeds was was very fun, and the the um, the buffalo stampedes when you get two hundred people all slapping their thighs. Uh, and you get a bunch of audience members running past the stage. It it does feel like a like an actual yeah stampede. It was it was pretty fun. It added a lot. It did. It it, yeah. it the audience participation was really awesome. Yeah, and they had uh they had like professional videographers there, uh, sound team. So so that stuff I think will all be up on YouTube. Um, I very much suggest people check out Zombie Orpheus Entertainment. Or look it up. Um, there, there's a web series they do called Journey Quest uh, that actually stars the guy that we ran into. Uh, I think his name is Christian York. I could, I could look it up, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, but Journey Quest, and and I actually asked the guy at the Zombie Orpheus Entertainment booth, "Hey, are you guys ever going to finish Journey Quest?" And he's like, "You know what?" We were supposed to film season four in March of 2020. Yeah. So like they literally they got that was pretty bad. So I think they're they're definitely working on it. Um, oh, and if you want to watch the gamers movies, um, uh, and I hope you can put this in the uh, the podcast notes. It's watch dot dot network. If you type that into your browser, uh, there's actually a bunch of movies on there. Uh, they're all like sci-fi, fantasy, uh, low-budget indie movies. Uh, they got those Kevin Sorbo Mythica movies on there, <laughs> which I'm not going to watch those. Me um, but all the gamers' movies are on there uh, and some other stuff. And they've got a lot of partners that they partner with, uh, so it's it's kind of like a little streaming service that they're putting together. It's pretty good. 
Yeah, and also make sure to check out uh, GenCon, uh, www.gencon.com or GenCon.com. Um, you can check out GenCon stuff all year round to figure out what's going to be going on for next year. Um, and I'm not sure when they exactly update for the next year, but uh, it'll probably be pretty soon here that they'll have that updated. So if you're interested in coming to Gen Con 2020, uh, sorry, 2022, then uh, definitely go to the Gen Con website. Um, also, if you want to check out our website, theageofstories.com, you can get up to date information on all the different stuff that we're doing right now. Um, which includes making a mega game. We have Eve Online uh, Corporation murdering and stuff that we do, and we are doing um, also a Mage the Ascension game. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, well, uh, we're doing Technogate. Uh, we haven't played for a little while, but uh, I think are we going to do that uh, that mini game? Yep. So right now we're doing here? a module basically for Madison Under Siege, our book that we're creating for um mages of madison and and hopefully expanding it out to a bunch of other stuff but uh basically we're creating a, a city book for madison wisconsin inside of the world of darkness um and hopefully we'll have that published by the end of the year here and uh and we're going to run a little module that we're going to have at the beginning or at the end of the book for people to play out um and so they are making the the pre-made characters that were created by somebody or by, by my players that aren't pre-made in the first time that it was played, but will eventually become the pre-made characters for that module um, where you don't have to use them, but these are, you know, here you go, just drop in, play the game right away. Um, here's some characters instead of making them. Um, but yeah, you can always check that out. Um, we're doing that Monday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time on twitch.tv slash Stories. That's G-U-L-D-A-N golden age stories uh so thank you so much for listening and i hope you guys all check uh catch us next week all right good night everybody <laughs>